Let's go to the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. He's Tim May from Letterman Row. Hi, Tim. Tim, when you retired from the dispatch, who did you get paid? <laughs> oh, man, I got hundreds of thousands of people paid. I mean, I think I increased the uh, when I when I opted to go to a dot-com route, you know, when they lured me out of retirement. I think I got a lot of dot-com guys paid. I think there's a lot of people <laughs> that owe me a lot of money. I should think 10% finder's fee anyway for yeah, those gigs, absolutely. huh? absolutely. I would think so. I mean, I would I would also, if I was the, uh, I don't know, this is an easy thing to say, if I was the AD at any, at any school, A, B, C, and D, like if I'm the AD at Texas, I go to Steve Sarkeesian. By the way, Texas is one of the blue bloods, long-time blue bloods, and it's back. I would just say, nah, you know, if you want that job that bad, go ahead and take it. You know, <laughs> I mean, seriously, why do you, you know, Jimmy Sexton doesn't have to rule the world. You know, why do you have to uh, acquiesce every time a job comes open? Uh, the, the amount of money you're paying, your head football coach has to go up. But the, but, but you can't find, uh, you know, $50,000 a year uh, for each of your, your, uh, your football players uh, to get paid. You know, it just rings really hollow to me, the whole the whole kit and caboodle rings really hollow to me. But but I will say this, having the right guy large and in charge uh, definitely pays for any big-time college football program. And the greatest example of all is Alabama, uh, pre, pre-Nick Saban. As you knew, as you all know, I've said it many times, I grew up going to Alabama home games with my dad my older brother back in the early 60s when Bear Bryant walked on water, et cetera. But uh, the – the chasm between a big time football between Bear Bryant and Gene Stallings, and then between Gene Stallings and Nick Saban shows it is not just a push button job. You got to know what you're doing and have a plan, et cetera. Nick Saban <clears throat> was worth that because he proved uh, better than anybody in history that he definitely had a plan and stuck with it. But the guys you're bringing in and the guys you're talking about here, some of them have only been head coaches for one, two, three, four years or something. That's crazy to be talking about paying them anywhere close to Nick Saban money uh, to come be the successor to Nick Saban. But other than that, I have no opinion. Yes. Tim, did it change the bar, Nick's success at Alabama, just in the expectations of, of what schools are thinking? Because, as you said, I mean, he was he was phenomenal there. And you know, all the national titles – did it change the bar and maybe put unrealistic expectations on some of these programs? Or was that a good thing that he raised that bar? Well, it was a good thing for Alabama. I mean, there, there sure. are Alabama fans who are <clears throat> just became, um, you know, went through puberty or whatever over the last uh, 17 years. <clears throat> and since then, who have been born, who think Alabama has always been this way. It has not always been this way. It's been this way in some great stretches through its history, going back to, to Wallace Wade and, and other guys. But, uh, uh, you know, he just raised the bar. Well, what, what Nick Saban did was he raised the bar on, yes, this is possible if you are organized, if, you're, if you pay attention to detail and uh, you get the right people around you. The main thing is the getting the right people around you aspect of it. Um, that's where – he has always excelled. I'll never forget, like, several years ago, uh, Alabama was part of an ESPN, I think, you know, for one of another term, hard knocks thing through training camp. 
And uh, not that college football coaches ever show you everything by any stretch, but I remember there was this shot of this morning staff meeting, and I forgot how many people I counted in the, you know, if you can stop action now, and I think people know that by now, uh, on your TV when you DVR stuff. But uh, I can't remember how many I counted, but I swear there were at least 20 in, in what you could see. And this was just from the camera angle looking toward Nick Saban. You know, who, who knows how many people were around him, uh, around the camera guy. My point is he really raised the bar in that aspect of things, of bringing in a lot of people uh, within the rules, <clears throat> but to further the cause of winning football games. You know, I don't know if the cause of winning football games is worth everything that everybody puts into it from a monetary standpoint, but man, it sure does make the alumni happy and the current student uh, body happy and the alumni, the uh, what they call it, the subway alumni is what they used to call it for Notre Dame happy. Uh, yeah, he raised the bar. He showed what can be done. He also showed that you can complain about changes uh, just because they do change a lot of things, but once changes are made, you better roll. You better you better get with the program. That's what he did. That's what Dabo Sweeney has failed to do. It's probably reason, <clears throat> unless something weird happens in the next 24 hours, Dabo Sweeney, who looked like the heir apparent to Nick Saban four or five years ago, probably is not going to get that job. But you know who knows, right? Absolutely. The legend Tim May joining us. You can read him at Letterman Row, Urban's Take, his podcast. Of course, Tim May, the Tim May Show, right? Or is it the Tim May Podcast, Tim? It's uh, the Tim May Show. And That's then it. also, during a season, I do a thing with Urban Meyer called Urban's Take. Yes, sir. He he, he just he didn't really want to get into, because uh, we basically had our last one before the national championship game, and he didn't want to do a special one just for this. But, you know, Urban and, Urban and Nick Saban have both carved their own niches, big-time niches in major college football showing what can be done. Get, don't give me any excuses. Just give me the results. All right, Buckeyes hopped in the transfer portal, brought in a quarterback. What do fans need to know about Will Howard? He's about 6'4", six, 6'5", six, depending on where you where you look. He's about 240, 245, depending on where you look. Uh, he's a proven commodity in terms of making of playmaking. Uh, he's won a conference championship with Kansas State, I repeat, he won a conference championship with Kansas State. Uh, he's a wheel, he's a wheeler dealer. He's uh, I like to use the I'm sure I'll use the term daring do. He's uh, really good on daring do. Uh, I'm sure they'll use that term a lot in the next uh, 12 months. And uh, here's the thing, I still believe there's going to be competition in the spring. But this is a guy that started a you know a couple of seasons uh, for Kansas State. Evan Brown started one game for Ohio State and left after the first quarter because he got hurt again. So it looks like things are pretty <clears throat> stable in the quarterback situation at Ohio State going into the spring. I still expect to be there's some form of uh, competition, but he brings you in a proven commodity at quarterback. Is he Dan Marino? No. Is he C.J. Stroud? No. Is he a combination? Is he a bigger, maybe stronger maybe faster, maybe better passer version of JT Barrett, very good possibility. That's what Urban Meyer's take was on him uh, a couple of weeks ago. Speaking of Urban's take with Tim May, subtitle, get that. <laughs> but uh, but but the bottom line, I mean, it, it feels like an upgrade from what they had this year because the one thing he brings to the table, and it's what Urban pointed out and you know anybody else can see, is he is a quarterback that not only can run but is willing to run. And uh, we all saw last week with Josh Allen, you know, 
once you call that play, you've got a guy that can get it done. And uh, Ohio State didn't have that this past year with Kyle McCord. In college football, you've got to have that if you want to uh, compete on the highest level, which is what Ohio State does. If you want to compete with the elite, um, you've got to have a quarterback who can run and shows he's sweet. I just wanted to get that last rhyme in there. I like that a lot. That was really good. Tim May from Letterman Row. Read it it in my tweet. Go ahead now. (laughs) Uh, Michigan, congratulations. National champs. All of the coaching news with Pete Carroll and Nick Saban and Bill Belichick has kind of buried the Jim Harbaugh's coming to the NFL narrative. Is Harbaugh going to coach at Michigan next year? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Or is he going to coach in the NFL? Here's the thing. Here, here's where I'll give Jim Harbaugh credit uh, in the realm of a question like that. And I remember asking him at the Big Ten meetings a couple of years ago after he you know, made that move, tried to get the Minnesota job, Vikings I'm talking about, not Gophers. And, uh, man, I could have taken that a little – I could have taken that a lot of directions. Like, he didn't want to go underground, things like that. I like but it I, But I digress. Uh, and then they turned him down, really. I mean, they said, no, no, thank you. But this is the guy that got to the Super Bowl and lost to his brother in the Super Bowl. And if you go back and watch the last five minutes of that game – you can make all kinds of like uh, 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 assertions that San Francisco got screwed, man, uh, on a couple of non-calls late in that game that, you know, when they were driving for an apparent go-ahead touchdown. And by the way, the, the quarterback that day was Colin Kaepernick. And he looked he looked pretty good in the Super Bowl, you know, but uh, yeah, whatever. That's another, that's another talk show um, 15 minutes. But the bottom line is this guy has had a itch to scratch about the, about the NFL. And, you know, you only live once. What's wrong? What's wrong with going and trying to get back to, you know, a place where you came so close and didn't get it done? I, yeah. I have no problem with that. And especially now that you've delivered the goods, you know, now, how did you deliver the goods? That will be a, that will be up for interpretation for the next 100 years at Michigan. Finally, how did you deliver the goods? Uh, was it in a getaway car, you know? <laughs> uh but that may be what he's taking out of town. But this guy can coach. I don't think there's any doubt about it, and he's proven it at both uh, the major levels. He, I mean, he proved it at Stanford before he ever showed up in the NFL. So uh, I would think some NFL team is very is going to be very interested in him. But, you know, will he pass the interview portion of the entry? Uh, that remains to be seen. Thank you, kind sir. Appreciate your time. Who y'all got this weekend? I know who you got, but uh, – uh, C.J. Stroud, man, he's, he's on a run. He's pretty, Look out. He's pretty good, Tim. I'm going. Yeah. Tim, I'm going shootout. I think it's going to be like 34-30, something along those but lines. I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. Joe Flacco is vying for comeback player of the year 
I mean, there's one thing to be rookie of the year, another thing to be comeback player of the year. And uh, I just, everything, I've liked everything about Cleveland since they got Joe Flacco back, or since they got Joe Flacco, period. <laughs> Enjoy the game, fun. Tim. I will, always. Hey, anytime you need me, give me a call. We will. We Tim May, Letterman Row joining us on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. The only man I know who's worked harder in retirement than he did as a full-time employee. Isn't that the truth? Two keys in a lock. Browns, Texans next. Browns, Texans. You have one team that had won three or four games three years in a row. Not very good. The Houston Texans. Boom. D'Amico Ryans comes in. C.J. Stroud comes in. All of a sudden, they're in the playoffs. They win their division. They're looking good. You have the Browns who... Folks had some real aspirations for the Browns this year. I thought they'd make the playoffs. thought they had a really good chance. And then you lost you know, Jack Conklin and then Nick Chubb and then Deshaun Watson, and you're on your fourth starting quarterback. And all of a sudden, the Browns are in the playoffs. They're the fifth seed. So you got four against five. Browns in Houston against the Texans. Tomorrow, two keys and a lock. Let's get it rolling, boys. start with the man who's behind the glass. That's Jake Murren. Jake, give me a key for tomorrow. My first key, limit C.J. Stroud's connection with Nico Collins. If you can keep Collins in check, then it should be an easy outing for the Browns' defense. I believe in that. Menigan. My key number one in this game is, frankly, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. The secondary of the Houston Texans is not the best against play action, especially when you attack it between 11 and 19 yards, which the Browns love to do frequently and 20 yards further. So continue to do what you do best. Heavy play action, hit the middle of the field, hit the deep shot. Because while Stingley is really good on that one side, that second side of Steven Nelson and whomever else is back there, they're on backup safeties as well. That's where they're vulnerable. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. My first key. If you look at the five games Joe Flacco played quarterback for the Browns, you see touchdown passes, at least two in each game. And you see at least one interception in every game. In only one of those games did Flacco throw more interceptions than he did touchdowns. It was the game against Chicago, and that was a close game. It was 20-17. to 17. Browns won that game. My key... Joe Flacco must throw more touchdown passes than he does interceptions. And I expect him to throw an interception against Houston. But I expect him, and I think the Browns have to have, more touchdown passes than interceptions thrown by Joe Flacco. All right, that's one key for each of us. That means we have one more to go. Jake. My second key, produce explosive plays. We saw a bunch between Flacco and Cooper in the first Texans game. And really beyond that, the amount of 20-plus yard gains with Flacco under center has been unreal this season. Let's keep that going tomorrow because those are the plays that can decide games, especially in the playoffs. And again, key number two of this game, the defense has been outstanding this entire year. I don't think you could say anything bad about it. But there are a home road split that takes place with this defense. I think they're like first at home and I want to say it's like seventh or something like that when they're away from home so again not earth shattering but there is a difference there clearly they have to figure out some way where they cannot where they need to be able to tee off in the way that they do at home when teams use the silent count versus on the road when it's a little bit quieter in there find that advantage and especially with a rookie quarterback in Stroud 
bug him a little bit, make him throw off platform, get him uncomfortable in the pocket, and then see where it takes you there. A lot of people are saying it's a rookie quarterback. Rookie quarterbacks make mistakes in playoff games when the pressure gets ramped up. This kid has bucked all of those trends everywhere he has gone. See if you can bother him and make him look like a rookie. Well, that's my second key. At least it's on the same in the same vein here. This is not about Flacco. This is to point out something about C.J. Stroud. Joe Flacco in five games threw eight interceptions. Eight. Okay? In five games. On the season, C.J. Stroud threw five interceptions in 15 games. He's so careful with the ball. Think about that. It's impressive. Flacco had eight in five games. C.J. had five interceptions in 15 games. To go along with 23 interceptions or touchdown passes. So what do I think they have to do? I think the Browns have to pressure C.J. Stroud into some turnovers. And I'll go for even one. If if they can get him to throw even one interception, I think that'll be a really critical part of this game. Maybe you, you know, maybe you get him to fumble a, fumble the ball because of a pass rush. You know, something. I'd prefer it to be an interception. Then again, if you get the ball back, I don't really care. You must pressure C.J. Stroud enough where he turns the ball over, and that's something he didn't do a whole lot of in the regular season. He was outstanding. Lock, two keys all the way around. Now it's time for the lock. Jake. I've been bold lately with my locks, but I've also been wrong lately with my locks, so I think I found the sweet spot here. I think the Browns' offense won't be denied. They'll score 30-plus points tomorrow. 30-plus points. I like that. Menigan. You know, we've been meaning to sit down and have a discussion with you, Jake, about your locks. I just want that to be known. It's like the cover pages on the TPS reports. It's just unacceptable. You know, we sent that memo around about the importance of the lock. Wow. My lock for this one, I I was going to take kind of Jake's idea. Take the over. Points, points, and points. I have a feeling this is a shootout. I, I, think, the, I think the Browns are going to attempt to hit their six to eight, if not ten, deep shots, play action shots, really push the ball down the field. The way that they've played this whole time Flacco has been here, where they've turned into the three true outcomes offense. And by that, I mean, you're either hitting bombs, you're throwing in completions, or you're throwing, you know, hitting bombs, hit the stuff over the middle easily. There's your walks and your picks or your strikeouts. I think Joe Flacco throws for three touchdowns. I think you get two picks out of this one as well, out of Flacco, and this is a shootout. That would be a shootout. Yeah, something like that. My lock, and I say this even though I, I like Pierre Strong, doesn't look like he's going to play because John Kelly has been moved to the active roster. The Browns will have at least 80 yards rushing in this game. 80. That's not a lot to ask for. On the season, Houston's been really good. They're at 96.6 yards Mm -hmm. per game allowed rushing. But they held the Browns to 54 yards rushing in Week 16. I think it's essential, and I think it'll happen. I think the Browns will have at least 80. That's not even a good rushing game. That's just... What Chad Brown talked about, you've got to be able to let the run attack set up the pass a little bit and make the Texans respect the run. I think 80 yards will do it, and I think it's a lock that the Browns will have at least 80 yards rushing. That's two keys in a lock. Very nice. A couple of things kept popping up, though. Flacco and interceptions, C.J. Stroud and rookie. Those are big things. Mm-hmm. They're really big things. He- if Joe can limit the interceptions, if he can, in three of his five games, he threw only one. That would be huge. And they, they lost one of those games, his first start against the Rams, but, you know, he didn't even know anybody. But 
if he has a, a three-interception game, if he has a two-interception game like he had against Houston before, well, why, why did it work against Houston before? Because he threw for 368 and Amari Cooper went nuts. And I'm not sure, again, I'm going to get yelled at for being negative, but whatever. You know, I, I would was say also, it's not negativity. I'd say it's it's just throwing out realistic thoughts and facts. It was also Case Keenum playing in that game. Well, I, we know like, that, but the well, but but he, and, and you're right. But that's the kind of the stuff that gets forgotten is that it's Case Keenum who was on the other side. And so when you're a defense and you're looking at a backup quarterback on the other side, and even if it's Case Keenum, again, Davis who's, Mills, right, who's got too. the Minneapolis miracle in his back pocket, if you want to point to that one. But like he's still a backup quarterback, and he's not C.J. Stroud. Your defense has to play a different way. You know, you kind of tighten up a little bit more than you probably should. So I think that's going to play into it. That's why I think this game's going to be a heck of a lot closer for a multitude of reasons. Hopefully, you know, well, we'll see if Will Anderson plays in this game. That's going to be a big part of it. He was out in that first game. Like, I think this is going to be close, and I think it's going to be a shootout, and I think it's going to be a just a blast. You know, one of those games that no matter where it goes, of course, Browns fans, if they win, will be over the moon. If they lose, will be bummed out. But, boy, if you're just a neutral fan watching football, I think it's going to be a fun one. All right, but let me throw this at you. Browns led the Texans, and I know, C.J. Stroud. He wasn't there last game. They led the Houston Texans 36-7 to mm-hmm. in the what, fourth quarter. What the Browns do well, the Texans are bad at, which is play action, deep shots. Play action, 11 to 19 yards. Hmm. What the Browns do well, the Texans are bad at. Because that's all about linebackers, you know, and those linebackers are super young on that defense. So here's the deal. Get ready. We have have quick predicts coming up. The boys want to do it. If you light up the phone lines, we'll do it. 216-474-0092. 216-474-0092. Quick predicts straight ahead. Here on Baskin and Phelps. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 